better than ever. It is the Steelers fix. My name is Andrew Wilbar alongside, as always, Jeremy Betts. Jeremy, we are past Memorial Day. We are into the month of June. How are things going for you? Well, I've been better health-wise. My voice is probably going to be in and out for this, so I apologize to the listener in advance for any issues that that might bring. But overall, doing well. We've been doing some housework and just kind of doing those summer, you know, late or early summer things that you do when uh, when you're a homeowner and um, finish painting the living room and redoing some of the trim. We uh, planted a little garden for my wife and just having a good time uh, enjoying the mild Asheville summers. Uh, it's cool in the mornings and just warm in the afternoon. So it's been pretty good, but excited to talk some Steelers with you. There's a good bit to talk about here today. There is. Now, before we get into that, I think you mentioned something last week about having some Memorial mm. Day plans. Maybe it was just off air or not. Mm. Uh, but did any, uh, what all did you do the week of week for the weekend of Memorial Day? So we went down to uh, the East Coast of North Carolina and uh, hung out at the beach um, and with my parents. And uh, got they got to see our little baby, their grandbaby, and just uh, enjoy some time there. Unfortunately, um, Callie, my little girl, got sick. And uh, that's kind of where everything started for me this week too. just uh, some flu stuff going around in our house, but we dealt with that a little bit, but overall we had a good time. My wife and I celebrated our fifth year anniversary as well uh, that weekend. So it was really neat to kind of just get away from the hustle and bustle of our life at home and just take a little mini three, three day weekend vacation over uh, to see my folks, um, for the first time in a couple months. So nothing like nothing like time with family. That's right. We, my mom's side of the family is a, as she has a pretty big family, we always have a big get together on Memorial day, get some people that come from Ohio and surrounding States. Uh, sometimes sure. we have some that come from Wisconsin as well. Um, but we had a big turnout. You mean people from Ohio actually travel to Michigan. I know. Right. It's crazy. They, the they, only thing is we can't really talk football when they're here because yeah. they're Browns fans. Oh, so oh okay. We, All right, yeah. and they, they haven't had much to talk about for quite a long time. So <laughs> they're just starting to finally have some hope. Whereas with the Steelers, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I still think we have some hope as well. Uh, right. But uh, yeah, we always have a good time. Get together. I also had a friend that came from college, so he got to meet some of the family. Uh, cool. So he came down for the weekend, had some fun. Uh, so it was a good Memorial Day. It was a good Memorial Day weekend. By the way, for those of you listening, be sure to thank those who are still alive and have served. Obviously, as we remember those who have given the ultimate sacrifice, uh, we celebrate it one day of the year, but really should be something that we think about all the time. So just right. if you ever see a veteran in the store somewhere, be sure to stop and just thank them for their service and all they've done to keep us free. Let's get into some Steelers. We had some pretty big news this week. The news yeah, we I'm did. sure you were all sh- were shocked to hear about. Two's our skipper re-signed with the Steelers. Mm. Jeremy. Talk about it. <laughs> do you have any thoughts on Two's our skipper? Is this, could he provide more than just a B than just be another depth guy? Is he going mm. to take it to the next level? Is he going to be more than just a preseason darling? What do you think of Tuzar Skipper? Was he uh, behind the steel curtains Isaac Redman Award winner? I think a couple he's, years he ago? had to have been. He had. I to think have so been. too. The guy was everybody's favorite player at camp. He was the camp darling. 
he played well in the preseason. I know myself uh, included in that. I was hoping that he would be able to, to make the cut and stay with Pittsburgh. Unfortunately, he was claimed uh, by the Giants and made a couple plays for them um, in his limited play time. So he comes back to Pittsburgh. I like him as a depth piece, uh, a guy that the team's already familiar with, who's worked with TJ. Uh, already he'll get to know some or he'll get to know Alex Highsmith there and uh, just maybe a guy that has some more some better football in front of him and the Steelers can bring that out with their revamped uh, defensive coaching staff I like the move for depth purposes continuity is something interesting because that's something a lot of fans including myself forget often when we think of moves that you know well this team should make this move this team should make that move even if it's just you know a cheap signing and we'll probably get into some guys later on you know, that I think could be upgrades for the Steelers. And when we get into some positions that we think need to be addressed potentially, but continuity is something that can never be forgotten. And, you know, having that connection, the Steelers coaching staff being already familiar with them, obviously some new coaches on the defensive side of the ball, but still uh, just different, uh, especially in terms of coach Tom and knowing just the personality, how it's going to fit in the locker room, the chemistry with the overall team continuity, simple things like that are important, probably more important than we realize as fans. Uh, but interesting to see what Skipper could potentially bring the Steelers. Now there was some rather important news, a little bit more than just two's our Skipper signing with the Steelers. That was the retirement of Stefan Tuitt after I believe it was either eight or nine seasons with the Pittsburgh Steelers mm -hmm. uh, had an outstanding career uh, shorter than what many expected. Uh, of course, his brother was killed in a hit and run accident in Georgia. I believe uh, mm -hmm. over a year ago, he did not play at all last year would have come back. Probably been a little bit rusty. If he would have returned, would have been a long way back. Uh, and he just decided whether it be for physical, mental reasons, uh, just decided to hang it up early on. And Jeremy, I know too, it's a guy who I just appreciated uh, just overall who he was not only on the field, but as a person was, he wasn't afraid to stand up for what he believed. And he, uh, he was a pretty good player on the football field as well. Yes. It gave us some good memories. Yes, absolutely. His 2020 season was obviously his best from a statistical perspective, but really when, when you look at stuff, Stefan Tuitt's overall uh, career arc. It was uh, second round pick. He fell down draft boards a little bit and the Steelers scooped him up with a lot of potential in place. It took a couple years, but he, he did get into the swing of things as a really solid professional uh, part of some of the best defensive line units in the league over the course of his career, a big reason why they were those uh, were why they were ranked in those um, upper tier groups. So definitely to me, a, a little bit of a shock that he decided to call it a career, uh, but I do wish him all the best. I enjoyed watching him uh, step up when Cam Hayward was unable to go. I, I enjoyed watching the two of them just uh, wreck uh, guards and defensive uh, tackles uh, all all day, all game long, and it's going to be he's going to be missed for sure. Um, we'll see what the Steelers do from here. They've got some options, but a, a guy that they're going to miss in the long run. 
you mentioned the fact that he kind of fell down draft boards. And that's interesting because I had, I was only, I think, nine years old when Stefan Tewitt was drafted. Mm-hmm. I was just starting to become familiar as of what a draft even was at that point. Sure. Uh, understand the concept of it. But if I remember correctly, he did throughout the process, just slowly but surely started to fall down on draft boards throughout the process yep. and end up falling a little bit further than what people thought. What's interesting is that the person who's probably going to be his long-term replacement, DeMarvin Leal, it's a similar situation. Just a year right. ago, we were talking about him as a guy who could be a mid first round pick. And then one year later, he falls all the way to the third round. The Steelers pick him up, has some off field concerns, but a very talented player, mm-hmm. a guy who, um, as someone that I could see Carl Dunbar doing a lot of things with, just with his skill set. Uh, could, do you potentially think that there are some similarities with the situation of DeMarvin Leal, similar to what it was? Uh, for Stefan Tuitt when he came into the league. Recalling um, Stefan Tuitt's original hype as a prospect, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, he did end up getting taken earlier because there weren't off-the-field issues. But I just think when you look at, at Tuitt's – at his play style, he was, he was always a physical specimen at the position who – was stronger than most everybody else and and so quick at the point of attack good with his hands and uh when he fell to the Steelers in the second round I thought that we had won the lottery because um I expected him off the board well before that and the fact that he was still around when the Steelers made their second pick was incredible to me at that point um DeMarvin Leal it didn't surprise me as much his his fall I didn't think he was quite the athlete um that some of the other guys were but uh, his tape is just so solid he's a technician um and he's so versatile too i think you're right i think he's got potential to have a big role on this defense now and um he could be used in a variety of different ways it'll be interesting to see if the steelers just stick with him stick with louder milk and some kind of rotation uh chris warmly um Montrevious adams I talked with this a little bit on the Friday let's ride with Jeff Hartman, um, what they could do in-house uh, or do they go, do they take a look at um, some of the guys on the free agent market? There's some good names out there. There's some young guys with potential to come in and be solid producers and maybe even provide an upgrade on what's currently on the roster um, for that, um, for that second defensive tackle spot. Uh in the Steelers three, four defense, but we will see. I, I, I think the comparison from how Leal uh, fell down draft boards a little bit with to it is, is a valid uh, look at, at their situations though, for sure. I think one of the biggest storylines is just how are we going to see, or are we going to see it all this year, the development of Texas A&M prospects on the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> right. We've talked some about Dan Moore. Can he develop uh, and become a consistent left tackle. We know what he did against Cleveland at the end of the year. Very good job against Miles Garrett, but the rest of his tape, very up and down, very shaky. Mm-hmm. And we think of Buddy Johnson, who really did not see the field much. 
I thought he was a little bit overdrafted when he was taken right. by the Steelers in the fourth round, uh, but definitely has some upside. You know, can he develop? And now we're talking about DeMarvin Leal, a guy who I believe has a lot of potential. I know he didn't test the greatest, and I know you'd mentioned the athleticism, not quite as good of an athlete maybe as to it, and he may not be quite the athlete, but when you watch him on tape, I think he was capable of a little bit better testing than what he ended up actually testing mm-hmm. out at the Combine. Uh, but still, overall, it's going to be interesting to see how quickly he is pushed into the starting lineup, if he is pushed into it at all. Obviously, the Steelers do have some depth there with Chris right. Wormley, Isaiah Loudermilk, and Montrevious Adams. See, I like just to kind of piggyback off of that real quick, <coughs> excuse me, depth to me is not the problem on, on this defensive line. It's right. quality of, of the starting three, right? You've got Cam Hayward and Tyson Alualu, but that third guy, which they – they, ha- they don't play a third defensive lineman quite as much anymore, but who's who's going to be that third guy? Who's going to be the second guy out there in um, two defensive lineman formations where they've got um, extra defensive back or extra linebackers on the field, whatever the situation may be, but um, do they bring in Alu-Alu for situations like that? That's not necessarily his calling card. And remember so- – Alu Alu is going to be what 35 years old and coming right. off an ankle injury. So he can't be depended on really either. Yeah. He's, he's a wild card as well this season. Um, so to me, I think the Steelers have to look out outside the, the room for some help there uh, at the starting position to, to take some of the, of the pressure off of guys like Leal and Loudermilk to have to be the guy before maybe they're ready. We will definitely see what happens. This could be one of the most interesting storylines as we inch closer and closer to training camp this July. All right, we're going to move to the top three weak link position groups that could cause problems for the Steelers. Now, we've Jeremy and I have talked in depth about some of these positions, but we want to quickly go over some of these positions that we think could actually be issues if they are not resolved before the beginning of the season. So, Jeremy, we'll begin with you with your number three position that you believe is a problem currently on the Steelers roster. So I'm, I kind of came at this from a, a depth perspective. I think um, even with the Tazar Skipper signing at outside linebacker, I think the edge position could cause some problems if Highsmith or TJ Watt go down for a, an extended period of time. Obviously, anybody losing – a player of TJ Watts caliber, you're going to have drop off in production, but what do they do at the, at the third rotational pass rusher? Um, is it skipper? Is it uh, Tuska? Is that how you say it? Derek Tuska. Uh, Tuska. Okay. Yeah. Is it Tuska? Um, Gennard Avery. Where do you yeah, think he, Avery? Do you, right? do, you think, do you think he plays the edge or do you think he plays inside? I think he'd be more inclined to, to play on the edge just based on, the other guys that they have on the interior. Uh, I don't see him. I, I see way more depth at interior than I do on the edge. I think he's, he's there for edge depth at this point. It doesn't give me a lot of uh, excitement, if you will, at, at what's in the room behind the starting two guys. So I'd love to see the Steelers address it in some way where we're not going to have another Melvin Ingram I don't want to be here unless I'm starting situation on our hands. The interesting thing with Gennard Avery is that even though the numbers don't 
speak to this. I think his better fit is on the inside one because of his lack of length on the edge. Mm-hmm. But also, I remember his time when he first came into the league, I believe he played some with the Eagles. Uh, I remember watching him, I know for sure, with the Eagles before. Yes. Watching him just moving inside linebacker, he just seemed a lot more natural. I believe he, was he with the Browns for a little while as well? Yes. Yes, yes he was. He had a heck of a game against uh, the Steelers. One, yes, one, I remember one. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. It'll be interesting to see where they play him. I have a feeling he's probably going to be one of those floater guys that Flores just tries to move around all over the place. But, uh, yeah, Edge is interesting. Derek Tuska showed some potential, but after losing Taco Charlton, there's definitely Mm -hmm. some reason for concern at the edge. For me, I went with Buck linebacker because I've mentioned it before. Devin Bush and Miles Jack, they don't complement each other well. My hope is that the Steelers don't have issues causing the run. You have Alu-Alu working back from injury. You lost Stephon Tuitt, who is a really good run blocker on the defensive line. And you now you have two Mac linebackers. Mm-hmm. And you have you have two coverage linebackers, two guys that are not exceptional against the run. Devin Bush, uh, he knows how to spot the run. It's just he does he have enough bulk to be able to consistently bring the bigger backs down in the backfield. Right. And the same concern is for Miles Jack. So I have some concern. Buddy Johnson, we I mentioned him earlier. I'm not sold on him. I thought he was a little bit of a reach. Uh, when the Steelers drafted him, I thought there were better players available that the Steelers should have taken. Uh, but he still has a chance to prove me wrong. He hasn't uh, done anything bad per se. Uh, he's just pretty much on special teams, and that's about it. But mm, he needs to take right. a step up in his game because he's probably going to see more playing time this year as well. Uh, yes. But n- going, moving on to number two, Jeremy, I know you mentioned uh, this position a lot this offseason. It's really interesting because I'd never really thought about it a whole lot. But I guess you could argue that there is – there is a need that could potentially be at this position. What position is that? Uh, For me, it's running back. And it's what do you do when Najee Harris goes down? If, if he does go down, I'm not saying he will, but what do you do in that situation? You, you roll out a combination of Benny Snell and, uh, and, uh, Oh man, why am I blanking on his name? It's McFarland. Yes. Uh, Do you run out Snell and McFarland in some type of combination or one of the undrafted guys that's sitting on the roster? That sounds to me like for a team with quarterback questions, with offensive line questions, a real recipe for disaster. Um, I don't know. I, I think the Steelers have to look into the veteran back option to back up Najee Harris get some more um, veteran presence in the locker room anyway on the offensive side of the football that's never going to be a bad thing but uh, Mike Tomlin said uh, this offseason in in uh, one of his press conferences um, that uh, Benny Snell we've seen Benny Snell and know what he's capable of in the backfield and I said yeah we have uh, and it's not much. Uh, he's yeah. not capable of much out of the backfield. So I, I don't buy that at all, that they're comfortable there. So I would like to see the Steelers uh, do something here and 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 see if there's uh, somebody that they can bring in to, to help out at that position. Two questions. They're both on a scale of 1 to 10 questions. Just the number. Just give me the number. On a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you in a healthy Anthony McFarland? I'm going to go right in the middle with five because I believe in the potential, but still really haven't seen much out of him. And I know that he has struggled with those 
injuries. So maybe we just haven't seen a truly healthy McFarland since maybe very early in his rookie year, but I don't know. I don't, I don't see in, in his college tape where he has a lot of vision um, and creativity out of the backfield. He's kind of a, if the hole's there, I'll hit it and I'll hit it with speed and I'll pick up whatever yards until somebody catches me. If somebody can, uh, you know, that's a question. He, he's got the ability to break one, but I just don't see him being able to carry lead back duties for an extended period of time. If uh, Harris goes out. Well, to follow up on that on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you that Anthony McFarland stays healthy? <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit lower too. I'd, <laughs> I'd say I'm about a three or four there. Cause we just haven't really seen it yet. So I, I hope the best for him. And I, you know, if he shows us in, in preseason and training camp that he's got what it takes to be the guy behind ha- Najee Harrison, this, I might change my tune entirely on this, but I don't know. I just, I've seen it. We've seen it enough where the, the lead back goes down, the bell cow goes down and the offense just stalls. We saw it in the playoffs against the Broncos without Le'Veon Bell in 2015. The reason we lost that game basically uh, was because we couldn't generate anything on the ground um, and Roethlisberger was injured and Antonio Brown was out. It just wasn't, it just wasn't a, a good situation, obviously in that situation, but um, yeah, I just don't like seeing the Steelers not have a D'Angelo Williams type veteran in the back backfield to uh, back up the bell cow. What Jeremy is saying is that he's bitter about what McFarland did to Ohio State back in 2019 <laughs> when he ran for over 200 yards and almost caused them to lose and give Michigan the Big Ten title before they even got to the game. Yeah, but, I mean, watch the tape, man, and you see the it was all on Ohio State's defense. He didn't do much except run straight through wide open truck Fair enough, holes. fair enough. <laughs> Oh man. Well, my number two uh team my number two uh position to that the Steelers could be in trouble with is corner. And we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. The Steelers need to be on the lookout for a big name corner that potentially gets cut between now and roster cutdowns. With Stefan to his retirement, the Steelers have more cap space. And we've talked about it nauseam on the show. I'm just gonna leave it. The fact that I do not mm-hmm. believe the Steelers have a CB one on the roster. They I mean, last year they really didn't either. Joe Hayden was showing his age, and he had regressed some. He was not really playing at the level of a CB1. But I believe the Steelers need to add someone that could potentially be that because that's what's going to make this defense elite. It's good, but mm-hmm. if the Steelers are going to get to that next level, they either need to, they either need Miles Jack to pan out and be able to help Devin Bush defend the run, be able to defend the run really well or they need to get another corner and be able to defend the pass really well. One of the two. And right now I'm just a little bit shaky um, in both areas. Just not sure about how that is going to work out. Now we have, we still have our first ones to give. We're going to give that to you right after the break. You're going to have to wait to hear our number one positions that need to be addressed or could cause problems for the Steelers. But don't go anywhere because we'll do that. Plus, we have a segment of buy and sell in the second half of the show. You won't want to miss any of it. The Steelers Fix. We'll be right back.
right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, we are back for the second half of the Steelers Fix podcast. Andrew Wilbar and Jeremy Betts with you. Yo. Jeremy, your number one position that could cause problems for the Steelers based on what it currently looks on the 90-man roster, what position did you go with? Um, again, looking at this from a depth perspective, I went with inside linebacker specifically like your third one would uh which is uh the buck linebacker position we just don't have a guy in that mold in on the roster really that um has any type of significant experience at the nfl level and so i'd love to see the steelers address that in some form or fashion i know they already spent money on a high profile linebacker and uh but like you mentioned before, Miles Jack and Devin Bush are more similar players than complementary players. And so how they are, um, how they are thrown out there on the field uh, is going to, is kind of a mystery to me um, at this point. So what's the plan there? How did the Steelers work with the guys they have? It, it gives me pause as to, can this be a, a, a reason that the Steelers struggle on defense again this year um so i would love to see them address it i think it's it's a potential big problem if if something isn't worked out here i went with offensive tackle for my first position okay and it's really just on the fact that i'm not confident in either okorafor or dan moore i have more confidence in dan moore because he's younger he's still uh it, the immaturity in his game is a little bit more understandable. Now, Chooks was really young when the Steelers drafted him. He's still only, what, 24 years old. Right. He's uh, still developing in some ways. But Same age I really... as Kenny Pickett, by the way. What's that? Same age as Kenny Pickett, by the way. <laughs> that is incredible. It could, <laughs> yeah. I guess you could look at that as a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not right. sure uh, exactly. which way I want to go with that. <laughs> but with offensive tackle... I believe Okorafor really hinders what the Steelers could potentially do in the run game on that right side. James Daniels is a really good run blocker, very athletic run blocker. At center, you have Mason Cole, who's not the same athlete, but very solid. He's consistent, mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. something that the Steelers needed. That's why he was the guy I wanted at center, to be able to allow Kendrick Green to just back up for a second, take a breath, sit on the bench for a while, and maybe get back to the point where he could potentially play at center or guard. Uh, but Mason Cole, he's going to bring stability to that center position. But then at right tackle, where you're supposed to have that run, that tackle mm -hmm. that can run block, a core for, I, I dare anybody to find me a starting offensive tackle in the NFL currently right now that is a worse run blocker. Not talking mm -hmm. about tackle overall, but worse run blocker than Shaquemo Okorafor. I can't mm -hmm. think of anything. Well, if you look at his PFF grades last year, he was one of the league worst run blockers and one of the league best pass blockers. So you're, you're correct. It, it kind of doesn't fit for what you normally see on the right side of the offensive line. And that is one reason I, and I don't want to put the left side in danger because I do believe that the blind side is the most important thing, mm -hmm. but in some ways I would consider moving Dan Moore to the right side. He, I, I know he didn't play that much in college, but his traits make mm -hmm. me think with his streak of nasty that he has with his length, um, just the, with the way he plays, the way he moves out of his stance, he looks to me more like a right tackle than a left tackle. And Chukwumo Korfor, he played left tackle in college. I know that the sh small sample that we saw of him at left tackle in the NFL so far has not been grand, but mm -hmm. I would consider swapping them if it 
works with the chemistry of the offensive line, just because then even if you, the offensive line is not completely fixed, at least, you know, you're going to have blockers on that right side that Najee Harris can run behind who supposedly is up to what? 240 pounds now, 244, uh, pounds. 244 pounds. Oh yeah. Mm, Sorry. Yeah. I don't want to discredit him. Those four pounds. <laughs> um, I, I, the Steelers could at least be a good running team on that side. Obviously don't want to be one dimensional, but I, I just do not know how much having Chukumo Korfor on that side is going to hinder the Steelers' ability to run to the outside on the right. And I think the Steelers could benefit by at least trying out. I'm not saying do it, but in the preseason, just try out Dean Moore on the right side and Okorfor on the left and see what happens. At least mm-hmm. experiment with it some. Joe Hag is hardly depth, hardly solid depth at that mm-hmm. and very right. overpriced depth. I would consider going after Tyrell Crosby, who we talked about in before free agency. Right. Yeah. He's still available still there. Yeah. He has, he has a lot of starting experience with the lions, a uh, fifth round pick who slid down draft boards, uh, has a few minor health concerns. Of course, he uh, just got a raw deal in Detroit. They misdiagnosed his injury. And then he ended up having to miss pretty much the whole season, got waived, had to be brought back. It was just a messy situation, but the yeah. guy, a little bit undisciplined at times, but overall, when he's at his best, he's a very good offensive tackle, starting caliber tackle. He would be an excellent swing option behind Jacumo Okorafor, and at some point, who knows, he may even be able to beat out Okorafor and be able to become one of the starting offensive linemen for the Steelers. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on this, Jeremy, before we move on? Not really. I think we're looking at a team that has some holes, but you know, we're looking at a team that has some some good position groups as well the wide receiver position stands out to me uh tight end i think um with firemuth leading the way um and then uh safety i think is pretty strong for this team defensive line i think if they can they can figure out the stefan to situation is going to be a strength again so um yeah some of these these spots really were about depth to me more or less but um then if you if there are a few positions like you're like you're saying like we've talked about um it it gives you some pause as to whether this team can really be a a true contender for a playoff spot with some of the uh guys they have in starting positions currently it'll be interesting to see a lot of interesting training camp battles not necessarily for starting roles though we have a few but depth roles are going to be very interesting. Who ends up making the roster maybe due to special teams ability, or maybe they just show out in the preseason and provide value um, on second or third down, maybe as a coverage player on defense or maybe on offense. Um, if you're if we're looking at talking about running back depth, I know you'd mentioned right. the running backs, maybe someone who can bro- provide more third down value as a pass blocker. Uh, a lot of different aspects the Steelers will be looking at to determine who will make their 90-man roster. Now let's move to the buy and sell segment that we've been talking about, Jeremy. We have 10 Mm -hmm. questions, just for so our listeners know, we have 10 statements, actually, I should say, not really questions, they're statements we're going to make about things surrounding the Steelers and their 2022 outlook, or maybe even past 2022. We're going, I'm going to pose the question first to Jeremy. Jeremy's going to give his response, his reasoning, and then I will follow that with my own thoughts on it some we may disagree some we may agree so jeremy i'm going to begin with one that you had mentioned to me a question that you had posed buy or sell stefan to its departure is too much Mm -hmm. for the defense to overcome buy or sell 
I will buy it at this point because I don't see a quality replacement on the roster right now. And that may change as we continue on, but I just think it's, it's going to be a problem. And I know he was going to come back off of injury and off of sitting out for a year uh, and the emotional trauma and all that, that he um, endured in the last year or so. And uh, he probably would have been a percentage of his full self, uh, you know, not, not quite a hundred percent there, but I just see, even if he was 80% of his 2020 self, you're getting an upgrade on anybody else on this roster other than Cam Hayward. So right now I think it's a little too much to overcome and they're going to struggle against the run again. And it's going to be a, a problem um, having to designate more players in the back end uh, to help stop the run, leaving all these cornerback twos uh, on islands. I'm going to say sell only for this reason. And that's the fact that the Steelers, even though their defense was not great last year, they got by without him, him not playing last year as well. It, it was definitely, you could tell that he was missed, especially in the run game. The Steelers running defense struggled. Uh, but I do think that DeMarvin Leal is a little bit more ready than what a lot of people think. And I think that's the reason the Steelers draft him. They probably already knew uh, or at least felt as if there was a good chance Stefan to it was not going to return. So I'm going to say bye for now because I believe this team can overcome it. Uh, but it depends on whether they can get stronger in one area, whether that be against the run or against the pass, like we talked about a little bit earlier. So buy or sell, Jeremy, George Pickens is more likely to have a breakout season than Chase Claypool. I'm going to buy that one as well because I think he's a more well-rounded prospect. And I think even though he's coming off of injury uh, issues at Georgia, what you see is a an A.J. Green-type athlete with the ability to, to take the top off the defense, to get behind cornerbacks um, in the secondary, to run a, a good-sized route tree. And Claypool just hasn't put it all together yet. It's going to be close, but I think um, George Pickens is more likely to have a big season this year than Chase Claypool. Well, you mentioned A.J. Green, and that's a good comparison for Pickens, but Claypool, his comparison is a poor man's Megatron. So, I mean, he's got, I mean, he has just as much athletic potential or even more than George Pickens. And I like Pickens a lot, but I'm going to, I think we're going to disagree here as well, because I'm going to say sell. I think that Claypool has the upper hand. I think the fact that Ben Roethlisberger was not really able to push the ball downfield, I think Mm. that hurt Claypool a lot. Maybe that aided in some of his frustration um, and just maybe sure. some maybe some things that he just wasn't thinking. He wasn't using his brain. He was fed up. Um, <laughs> and I'm not giving him a pass for that. Obviously, uh, that's it, it, that's on him. Uh, he was right. far from perfect last year. But I believe that with a new quarterback, uh, that I mean Trubisky, he's not great over the middle of the field, but down the seam, or uh, he's not great down the seam, but going toward the sideline, he did have some success uh, when he had receivers, even when Anthony Miller, despite his size, when he was running out routes and close to the sideline, Trubisky and him connected really, really well. Mm. And I think that, I know, of course, he had Allen Robinson for a little while as well. Right. Um, right. A big boundary receiver. 
Uh, and Pickens, he has size as well. He can be a boundary guy, but he is working his way back from the ACL, and I think year two is going to be a, the year. I think we'll see some results from him year one, but I don't think we're going to sure. see his breakout year per se until year two. Well, let's let's stop and consider for a moment the possibility that they both have a breakout season, and if if that's the case, this is one of the best wide receiver rooms in all of football. At that case, hasta la vista, Deontay Johnson. Right. <laughs> yeah. You don't see a, a, an offer sheet if you're Deontay Johnson, probably, in that case. Well, let's move to the next one. Buy or sell. It is more likely that Mitch Trubisky gets traded than Mason Rudolph if Kenny Pickett wins the job. So let's go through it again. It's more likely that Mitchell Trubisky is traded than Mason Rudolph. Hmm. So more likely that hmm. Trubisky is traded if Kenny Pickett wins the starting job, Jeremy, buy or sell? Man, this this one's so intriguing to me. I've been thinking about this one for a long time. Um, I want to buy it so bad, but I'm going to sell it at this point. Um, here's Here's what gives me reason to potentially buy this, is that Trubisky is going to have a higher trade value in the league that we are in than Mason Rudolph will ever have. And uh, Rudolph is a fine backup. He's n- I don't see him really making a push as the starter. His uh, stance as the team's number two quarterback is ceremonial, ceremonial only at this point, in my opinion. Um, so like, I could see the Steelers being like, okay, well, Trubisky came here to start. He's not going to start. Now that Pickett has won the job, let's let's shop him because we might get more uh, value uh, from him than we would from Rudolph. But <clears throat> I don't know if if the if the rookie struggles, you want to have the guy that you can turn back to for quality starting reps. So I'm going to say I'm going to sell this this one. And those of you listening, don't freak out when Kenny Pickett is listed third on the depth chart when the Steelers initially released that. That I would honestly expect at this point because of Mason Rudolph's experience right. with the team and the money that the Steelers paid Trubisky. He'll obviously have a chance to win the job, but at first, more than likely, I think he's going to be the number three on the depth chart. Obviously, he'll move up in short order. For that one, I, I'm going to say sell only because I don't think the Steelers will get much for Trubisky if he doesn't win the job, because I think that would prove more that he didn't revive his career like everyone is saying he did during his year in Buffalo where he got to sit behind Josh Allen, a guy who plays a similar style to him. Uh, I I have a feeling that if the Steelers were to trade Trubisky, it'd be because they could get signed for him and probably because they felt Pickett was ready, but Trubisky started the year off really well, and the Steelers mm-hmm. felt like they could get along fine without him and then move on from him. Uh, but definitely going to be interesting to see if the Steelers move on from any of their quarterbacks and maybe make room for our boy, Chris Oladokun. That's right. So next one, buy or sell. DeMarvin Leal will start in Stefan Tuitt's place along the defensive line in week one. I'm selling this one too. I kind of disagree with with your take that, man, I just sounded like a 13-year-old going through puberty there. Uh Sorry about that. <laughs> I kind of disagree with your take um, that DeMarvin Leal was was picked with with the uh, thought in mind that he could need to start this year. I it just I don't 
I don't like it that the Steelers mentality is we're going to spend a third round pick on a starter for us, expecting Stefan to it not to be here. I think that this is a year away pick. He's a guy that they want to develop for a year um, and bring into that starting role. I think they go outside the organization uh, for a starting uh, or for a replacement for Stefan to it in week one. Well, he, I'm not going to deny the fact that he needs to get stronger at the point of attack. And obviously he was a decent run defender in college, but it's a different game in the NFL. You got to believe he still needs to add some strength, but overall, I mean, he's got a lot of things already nailed down. He's got good hand usage. He's got decent quickness off the line of scrimmage. I think he has the traits that allow him to play early on. I think he's going to, and I because to me, if he wasn't going to start, maybe the I mean, it's possible the Steelers didn't weren't going to have him start immediately. We know the Steelers like to draft for the future, but there were players on the board, and I'd have to look back to see the exact players. Um, but I remember thinking to myself on draft night. I was because I was a little bit puzzled by the pick. I'm like, do they know something about Stefan to it that I don't? Because the mm-hmm. Steelers clearly had bigger immediate needs that could have been filled. And there were players on the board at those positions they could have addressed, but instead they decided to go defensive line. And this, as you talked about, the depth is not a problem. Um, Milk Dud, Isaiah Loudermilk. Um, sorry for the <laughs> nickname, but I, he, I mean, he, he did, he did better than what I thought he was going to do. Carl Dunbar worked with him. Um, I mean, he's done that with a lot of defensive linemen that we didn't think were that great. Carlos Davis, um, another guy he's worked with. Uh, and the Steelers have other depth guys. Mondo, you have Chris Wormley still there. Montrevious Adams, who looked really good. I think they brought in Leal to actually be the starter if mm. Stefan Tuitt did not return. So I'm going to say bye. I think he's going to start week one. I think he's going to have a good preseason. I think he will beat out Chris Wormley for that starting job. We're, get, we're about halfway through. This is going to be our halfway point. Buy or sell. Devin Bush will have over 100 tackles in 2022. Buy or sell. I I will buy it. I think he's going to have a bounce back here. I, I, I believe it. I agree as well. I'm not going to waste time on this. Mm-hmm. I think uh, if he stays healthy, he had, what, 70 tackles last year in a bad year when he only played mm-hmm. 14 games. So if he can stay healthy for all 17 games and being a year removed from the injury, I think mm-hmm. uh, that will be – He's a shooing to get a hundred tackles Buy or sell. Kenny Pickett will start a game for the Steelers before the week nine buy. Uh, my heart says, I hope not. <laughs> uh, I'd love to see Trubisky start, but um, I'm going to buy this because, because I, I believe it. I believe that you don't spend that pick you don't hype the guy up uh afterwards um if you don't think that he's got a real shot at being the guy very early um if the Steelers have a bad stretch of games or Trubisky himself has a bad stretch of games I could see them turning to him and uh I think that he will he will get a start or two or three Maybe you know even all of them. We'll see. I think he's going to going to play uh, and start a game before the week nine bye. See, I'm torn on this because for some of the reasons you had talked about, like I don't have a problem with them starting a necessarily a rookie quarterback. Right. Generally, I prefer them waiting a year. I even if they are first round pick, I don't have a problem having a first round pick sitting on the bench for a while. 
Um, but in Pickett's case, he's not going to really do any developing by sitting on the bench. And we've talked about that before. He's as ready as he's going to be. So if he's as good as the Sears are going to get, why not put him in there and get him starting experience? The other side of that is, well, Trubisky has, in some ways, he's got more upside. And I, and I mean, I stick by that opinion. Mm-hmm. I believe he has more athletic upside and physical traits than what Kenny Pickett has. So if Trubisky mm-hmm. plays well, I think Trubisky could take the team further in year one. I'm not saying Pickett can't take sure. the team further in the future, but in year one, I think if Trubisky plays as good as I think he's capable of, he could take this team places. So I'm not sure what to do. I'm going to say sell only because my heart is telling me Trubisky is going to be great. And I think he can be if he gets the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say sell. But it would not shock me at all if Kenny Pickett starts earlier than that. And right. honestly, I wouldn't be totally shocked even if he got the starting job right off the bat. Probably not likely, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't shock me. Uh, but moving on here, buy or sell, Kendrick Green beats out Kevin Dotson for the starting left guard spot. That's been a topic of conversation this past week. Yeah, and I'm selling hard on this one. Uh, Kevin Dotson is the starting left guard, and I think he will maintain that throughout the off-season preparation. Um, I think the bigger the uh, the the issue of whether Dotson is physically preparing or not will be answered pretty quickly. And I think that he is. I think that he is ready to um, to take a step forward in his production. I say uh, sell that Kendrick Green beats out Kevin Dotson. See, I'm getting a little bit nervous here because I think it would be better for Kendrick Green to sit for a while. I think he can play guard. I I yeah. kind of stuck with that right. all along. I think he can play guard. Um, and I know that, you know, the arm length, stuff like that's not any better at guard. All that. He has more experience at guard, and he was just better at guard in college. So I think he can uh, succeed at guard. But I like Kevin Dotson. Kevin Dotson was not that bad last year for the most right. part. I mean, the entire offensive line looked horrible at times, but Kevin, it was not at the fault of Kevin Dotson. I don't know whether it's just conditioning issues, things that why he always ends up in the Tomlin doghouse, but in the end, I think he's a starting caliber guard. I think he's going to be good at that left guard spot. Um, and I, you know, I'm confident that Kevin Dotson is the man for the job there in 2022, but three more buy or sell. Najee Harris leads the AFC North. In rushing yards. Now, this is difficult because you have J.K. Dobbins, who's coming back from an injury, but we've seen what he's capable of. Obviously, Jeremy being an Ohio State fan, you know that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nick Chubb, we he's probably the biggest competition. But then you have Joe Mixon, who with an improved offensive line, who knows what he could do. Very, another very talented running back. Buy or sell, Najee Harris leads the AFC North in rushing yards. I'm buying this one all day because Najee Harris is going to lead – the entire league in rushing yards. Uh, It's been circulating around. Um, I'd like to say that I thought about it before uh, it started circulating around. Um, Just not maybe necessarily putting it out there, but he's on my radar as um, the, the league's most productive back in 2022. I think the yards per carry is going to go up. His efficiency is going to go up. He's going to be harder to tackle this year. He's going to be more confident this year. Um, He lacks for nothing physically and with a little bit better offensive line play. um, This guy is going to crush and we'll talk about him in fantasy later. Um, 
but just know I'm I'm not sleeping on Najee Harris in 2022. This man's the man. I'm buying this all day. See, I thought about asking the question that he would lead the league in rushing yards just to see if I'm like, no, Jeremy's not going to say that. He's not going to go that far out on a limb. And then you come out and say it without me asking. I'm like, oh, man, I should have changed the question. Go bold, baby. Now I feel like I almost have to say to at least buy the fact that he's going to be the leader in the AFC North or else I'm going to start getting haters on Twitter and all this stuff that <laughs> I hate after this because of the standard that you've already put up there. So I'm I'm going to buy. because Good I cop, think- bad cop here, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that Kareem Hunt will eat enough into Nick Chubb to keep him yep. from being the leading rusher in the division barely by just a slight hair. I I and then well, Joe that Mick, offensive line doesn't look as good this year either. It doesn't, and with the quarterback situation being mm-hmm. unknown, I think that right. could be another reason for concern. Uh, and then Joe Mixon, I love. I mean, I love Joe Mixon as a player. I have tried him in fantasy for more years than I probably should have. Um, (laughs) and then the one year I didn't was the year he actually broke out, but I, I mean, another very talented back, but again, I I believe the Bengals are going to be a little bit more pass happy with the wide receivers weapons they have. So I'm going to buy, I'm going to say that Najee Harris leads the AFC North in rushing yards, two more, and then we'll get out of here for today buy or sell Deontay Johnson is traded before the NFL trade deadline. I sell it. The Steelers don't usually do uh, things like that. Um, so I'm, I'm selling that and, uh, I would expect Deontay Johnson to be a part of the team throughout the entire season and be considered for a contract extension, uh, in 2023. Unfortunately, I tend to agree. I, and I've said this before and Shannon white from the website is written about it. I agree wholeheartedly with the, value of the wide receiver currently at its ultimate peak Mm -hmm. i think that now is the time to trade deontay johnson i truly do i know that he's a good route bottoms out what's that before it bottoms out because i think it's going to bottom out it has to at some point i mean you cannot afford with the salary cap the way it's designed even with it you know rising every year the rate it is you cannot afford 35 million dollar a year wide receivers for Mm -hmm. for I mean, Christian Kirk, $20 million a year. I mean, you can't tell me that Deontay Johnson's agent isn't going to go to the Steelers and say, is this is Deontay Johnson better than Christian Kirk? Okay, well, he deserves <laughs> to get much more than Christian Kirk. So, I mean, we're at, at bare minimum, we're talking about $20 million a year for Deontay Johnson. I just wouldn't pay it unless he proved yeah. that he can be an Antonio Brown caliber player. I mean, Antonio Brown never even made that much for crying out loud. I mean, right. it's crazy how the receiver market has risen. I mean, with inflation, everything's rising, but still, it's Deontay Johnson, I he's a good wide receiver. He's probably the most consistent wide receiver the Steelers have. But yes. I think the way the Steelers draft receivers, we can get by without paying one top dollar. And I believe if you want to pay someone top dollar, I think that would be Chase Claypool or George Pickens if they do break out. And once they get to the point where they are at the time of a contract extension, I think those mm-hmm. are the guys that can become elite receivers that you'd actually want to pay that type of money to. Deontay Johnson, I just I don't know how much better he's going to get. Um, not putting limits on him, but I think now's the time to trade him. You could probably get a first round pick for him right now. And I would take that and run with it because I can guarantee you the Steelers with that first round pick, they could get a better first. They could get a, probably a receiver that could turn out better than Deontay Johnson with that pick or improve another position of need. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I, I like Deontay Johnson more than most probably because um, 
of his draft slot and a third round pick, I believe, and him just really being such a technician. But you're right. And I talked I talked about this with Jeff on Let's Ride on Friday, too, um, that he he's not a physically um, intimidating player and being a route technician and not a physically dominating player uh, can really only get you so far. I think we've seen his peak. Um, And so from a business standpoint in the NFL, he's, he's an asset to you as a uh, potential value in return uh, type player. And if Calvin Austin can prove that he's durable enough to take a lot of snaps, mm-hmm. I mean, he can run routes. A lot of people just talk about his speed, but he can run routes as well, and he can play <clears throat> inside the slot. Deontay Johnson not the been the greatest producer in the slot just because he doesn't have the physicality. Austin, he's smaller than Deontay, mm-hmm. but he does have some toughness. And if Austin and Pickens both produce early on, I, I'm going to say sell just because that's not what the Steelers do, but Omar Khan, if there's one thing you can do that will get me to buy into what you're you are going to do as the general manager in 2022, trade Deontay Johnson, and sure. I will buy in wholeheartedly to what you're going to do. But, well, think about this too. If um, when's the trade deadline? Is it week seven or is it week six? I know remember? it's October at some point, somewhere around right. there. <clears throat> so, what if the Steelers are like one and five or? one and six and i don't see that happening necessarily but if that's the case you think that this the likelihood something like this happens goes up uh because the steelers are going to be like "Eh, i don't know um how things are going to go for us this year maybe we should look at um stockpiling some picks and and building a team for next year i i think you've got Mm -hmm. to and again fans that you're saying well the steelers don't tank what jeremy's talking about right there is not tanking Tanking is teams that you have in the NBA and all these other leagues that have a ton of talent. They have, they have a max contract guy for crying out loud on their team. And they choose to lose to try to give themselves a better opportunity of potentially getting a high pick trading an asset away is not tanking. Tanking is having those players on your team and trying to lose. The Steelers would not be trying to lose by doing that. You still give it your all with the players you have, Mm -hmm. But trading a player away that you can get something for at their peak when you're not going anywhere anyways, more than likely, is just a smart business decision. It's a uh, value so, add. It's like trading stocks at their, exactly. at their high point. That's all exactly. it is. Exactly. Yeah. So moving to the last question before we get out of here for tonight, Jeremy, buy or sell the Steelers sign another cornerback before the season begins? I'm going to sell this as well because I think the Steelers, not necessarily myself, I think the Steelers believe they have the guys in the cornerback room. I think they believe it. I think that they're going to ride with it. And barring an injury of some kind, I don't see the Steelers uh, pursuing another secondary piece at cornerback before the season starts. See, I agree in that I think the Steelers believe they have their guys. But I also think that they believe that they got really good bargains on the deals that they got paying $4 million each to Levi Wallace and to kill a Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. I cannot help but think with this increased amount of cap space that the Steelers have now with Omar Khan and Andy Weedle and Colbert and Rooney, all talkings, you know, saying, you know, it, 
we don't necessarily need to add another corner. We're confident in who we have, but we have this money if say such and such corner is cut at roster cutdowns. Hmm. Imagine what we could do. Maybe not even a number one lockdown corner like I'm talking about. Maybe another guy, maybe a slot corner, a high profile slot corner that gets cut. You know, mm-hmm. Cameron Sutton, we can allow him to be the depth on the outside with James Pierre. We could find somebody else to play the slot. You know, Arthur Millette, we like, but he's Arthur Millette. So, right. you know, maybe the Steelers consider it. I'm going to say bye. I don't think it's the lockdown mm-hmm. corner. I don't think it's like even, I don't even know if it's going to be the level of Joe Hayden when he was cut. Um, right. But I think yeah. this, I'm going to buy the fact that the Steelers will tr- sign another corner just mm-hmm. because I think they have the room to end on the roster. I think they could afford to add somebody else inside or out. So I'm going to say they buy, just probably not the exact guy that I'm necessarily would have my eye on at roster cutdowns. Uh, but is there anything else you want to add real quick, Jeremy? I just wanted to mention about that. Like you said, there's precedent for it uh, with the Joe Hayden situation. So um, I could I could see that happening. I just I think I think the Steelers view Weatherspoon as their cornerback one. I think that they think he can be a um, man type lockdown cover corner and make plays on the football uh, kind of the Ike Taylor role of the team, not to that level, but I think that that's what they view Witherspoon as. So that's why I'm selling, but uh, you know, if, if, if somebody is cut, then that's the only way I see them making a move in that case, they have the ability to do it if they want to. So that is a move they can make. Follow Jeremy on Twitter, and I don't usually do this. We don't usually oh, – well, sometimes we'll give out our own Twitter handles, but follow Jeremy at the bets 93 He's been putting out some interesting content. He has interesting commentary. Some is football-related. Some is not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, some is not. So, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. So you can go <laughs> check the rest out. Um, leave the listeners intrigued. Um, and you can find me at Andrew underscore Wilbar uh, out on Twitter. Jeremy, do you have any articles coming out this week that you want the listeners to know about? I'm going to be running um, the edge rusher portion of the roster review before training camp, and we're going to take a look at how that position uh, looks on the team. Like I mentioned before, I think it's a it's a weak spot as far as depth goes, so uh, you'll get a little bit more information about that. And then um, pretty soon here we're going to have a – full league power rankings article coming out too. Not sure when I will get that finished. The roster reviews have been my priority uh, and kind of just working on this in my spare time. So just keep an eye out for that. Hoping to get it done before we come on the air next though. Well, I'm continuing with my 2023 NFL draft series. I think I might skip wide receiver um, just because I don't see that as a huge need. Plus, I really don't want to write 10 scouting reports for the first round prospects of the position right. <laughs> this early and none of which the Steelers are going to draft. Um, so right. we'll probably move on from wide receivers. We'll probably maybe we'll look at offensive tackles or something like that. But be sure to check it out. Be sure to check out all the work at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. There is great content coming at you each and every day, both on the editorial side and on the podcast platforms. Be sure to check all the other podcasts out here on Behind the Steel Curtain, wherever you listen to podcasts. But until next time, as Matty Peverell would say, actually, I don't know what Matty Peverell would say, but I'll try to use his <laughs> accent, he and Marky D. Uh, oh, yeah. Thank you for uh, listening to the Steelers Draft Fix podcast. 
And we will see you next week when we stop breaking down fantasy football. Oh, man, that was horrible. When you get your tongue caught, when you're trying to do an Aussie accent, oh. it doesn't work. I've, I love doing Aussie accents, but Maddie's going to kill me for that one. That was horrible. Oh, man, that was that was terrible. It was very bad. So maybe we could get Brian <laughs> to just cut this part out or something like that. Anyways, we'll see. Any, anyways, we'll get out of here. Have a good one, Steelers fans. We'll see you next week.